Merry Christmas. What a joy it is to sing praise to God together. What a joyful noise we have made tonight as we have praised this God of ours who came to earth, who was born to save us from our sins. What a joy it is to be together with each and every one of you tonight, old friends, new friends. Well, my name is Dave Furman. I serve as a senior pastor with Redeemer Church of Dubai. And on behalf of all of the church's leadership, we are so glad that you've joined us for this special celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are new to us, we meet in this same ballroom every single Friday morning at 10 a.m. And if you haven't joined us before, we invite you to join us this Friday and every Friday as we sing and gather in worship of our risen king. I do invite you later on to spend more time looking through our bulletin. You'll find, more, uh, find out more about our church, about various ministry we have going on. And if you are new to us, perhaps your next step might be to join one of our community groups. These are our small groups that meet throughout Dubai and Sharjah. And these groups study God's word together. They care for one another, pray for each other, investigate what God's word has to say. And so we invite you to take a look in that bulletin to maybe find a small group that meets near where you live. And we'd love for you just to, to join in with any of those groups and to get connected uh, with our church. Well, as we approach God's word, let us go to him in prayer. Let's pray. Oh God, we pray that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see your truth in the Bible this evening. Would your word transform our lives? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you afraid of the dark? As a child, I remember being terrified of the dark. I remember going to bed each night as a little child, wondering if the boogeyman or the monster was in my closet, or if he had crept up underneath my bed and was going to scare me in the middle of the night. Now, even now, as an adult, as I wander through dark alleys around my flat here in Dira, I still tend to gravitate towards the streets that are well lit. Now, for some reason, too much darkness for too long makes us feel uncomfortable. We yearn for the light. Light from the sun keeps us alive. Light also reveals to us dangerous things that we should avoid. And light is a source of happiness for many. In many northern countries, many struggle with seasonal affective disorder and get depressed when there's virtually 24 hours worth of darkness per day during the month of December. Now, we need the light. And it is this very image that Jesus describes himself in our text tonight. We'll just be looking at one verse. It is in the Gospel of John in the fourth book of the New Testament. It's chapter 8, verse 12. And let me just give you the context before we look at the verse. Let me give you the context that's surrounding this picture of of Jesus that we're going to look at tonight. Now, Jesus was in Jerusalem, and it was... During the Feast of Tabernacles, this festival was a celebration of God's provision and bringing his people out of slavery in the land of Egypt and bringing them to the promised land. 
God had persevered them through a time of wandering. During this time, there were no harvests, there were no crops, they had no permanent homes. And so once a year, they would remember, they would literally build these thatched huts and they would stay in them to remember of their homelessness during those wandering years. And they lit an enormous candelabra each night in the temple. This was an enormous lamp that actually had several other smaller lamps as a part of it. And they were so big that when these lamps, when this candelabra was lit, light flooded the entire city of Jerusalem. The whole city just lit up. It reminded them of the fire that guided them out of the wilderness. That fire symbolized God's immediate presence. It was his presence. It was God with them. Well, this theme of light signaling God's presence is nothing new here in John chapter 8. Light is ascribed to God throughout the entire Bible. In Psalm, 50, or Psalm 27, rather, we are told that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In Psalm 118, the Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. In John chapter 1, it is said of Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Well, the point is that God is light. And so they would have been familiar with this theme during the Feast of Tabernacles, And so this festival was really one big party, a festival of light. The big lights were lit. The temple orchestra would have been playing their music, and people would have danced the night away. They were celebrating the goodness and faithfulness of God to bring them there. But our scene this evening was the last night of the great festival. And the decorations and the lights would have all come down that evening. Now, it's never fun to take down our Christmas decorations. That same excitement you had when you put them up in the beginning of the holiday season has now waned. has now dissipated. See, with joy, you decorate. With joy, you put up your decorations in anticipation of the celebration of Christ's birth and the celebration of Christmas. And yet, there's a bit of sadness when you get out the boxes and you pack your decorations, realizing only 12 months later that you'll take them out again. Well, the taking down of the temple decorations would have been far more depressing. They would have been reminded of the lack of God's presence. Ever since being brought there, they hadn't seen any evidence of God's presence. Several hundred years had passed and God was silent. There were no prophets. After the book of Malachi, there were no prophets, no word from God. And it is in this scene, it is in the scene that Jesus walks into the temple courts. So that's the picture we have tonight. It's at the end of the festival of lights, the feast of tabernacles coming to an end. The decorations were all coming down. Everyone is wrapping everything up. And here's Jesus and he walks into the temple and he walks in. There near that big candelabra that was now dark, representing the missing glory of God. 
And it is that picture that Jesus walks in and says these scandalous words. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll talk about an attention-grabbing statement of cosmic proportions. This was it. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This thing that you long for, this thing you have hoped for, this thing you have yearned for, God's very presence, God himself, I'm here. I have arrived. I'm the very glory of God. And in case they didn't understand what he meant, later on in chapter 8, in the same scene in verse 23, he says, they, speaking of the people, they are from this world, but I am not from this world. Do you see what Jesus is claiming here? Jesus is saying, I'm not just a man. I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a hero. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a nice person. I'm not just a good friend. I'm not just a healer. I'm not just a miracle worker. Friends, what Jesus is claiming here is not that he is one of many gods. Jesus isn't claiming to be a light among all the lights. No, he is claiming to be the light of the world who gives the light of life. There are no alternative lights. Jesus is teaching in front of this vivid illustration. He says you have this light from this candelabra that has just gone out. God's presence has been away. I'm standing here in front of this candelabra. It's very candelabra that you had to light to give you light. But friends, I am here, the one who created light. Jesus is claiming to be the God of the universe. The God who said in the beginning, let there be light. And there was light. I mean, think about what Jesus was saying for a minute. Just sit back and think about this claim that Jesus is making. And if you don't think it's an incredible claim, put those words in the mouth of anybody else in this room tonight, and it's pure craziness. I mean, if I walked up here and said, ladies and gentlemen... I have an announcement to make tonight. My name is Dave Furman, and I am the light of the world. And if you follow me tonight, if you come to me, I will give you life. You would think I was crazy. You would commit me to the institution tonight. You would send me off as a crazy person. Unless... Unless I really was the light of the world. 
unless I really was God. See, those are the possibilities here. Either Jesus was crazy, or he was lying, or he really is God. We can't sit back tonight and say that Jesus was merely a nice person, or a teacher, or just one more prophet. Because nice people, teachers, and prophets don't claim to be God. As C.S. Lewis popularized, that either Jesus was Lord, or he was a liar, or a lunatic. Those are the options that are set before us. Well, how do the people respond to Jesus at the temple? How do they respond to this claim that he is God? What do they do? What do they say? What's, what's their response? Do they understand the claim that he's making? Or are they confused? Are they shocked? Well, the, there's actually an explosive exchange. You can look down at verse 59, that same chapter at the end of the scene. We see that they picked up stones to stone him. They understood clearly that Jesus was claiming to be God. They thought he was a blasphemous liar and worthy of death, and so they tried to kill him on the spot. Get out our stones. Let's stone this Jesus. He's claiming to be God. But we see that the light escapes. And hides himself at least for a little while longer. Because his time had not yet come. Well, this brings us to an important question. Why did Jesus come? Why are we celebrating Christmas? Why was Jesus born of a virgin in a little insignificant town called Bethlehem? Well, friends, it's because all of us have chosen to live in darkness. If any one of us had our sins brought to light in this room tonight, we'd be so embarrassed that we would run out as fast as we could in order to hide. We've all lived in darkness, and the Bible calls this sin. It's rebellion against God. The holy God of the universe created us, every single one of us in this room, and every single person who's ever walked on the face of the earth, God created to be in friendship with him. Living under his loving rule. And yet each and every one of us decided to set our own set of rules, to create our own rules of life, and to live in opposition to him. See, we wanted to be the God of our life. We wanted to have control and so we embrace the darkness and we live in sin. Some of you are hiding in the dark right now. Some of you are hiding things from your spouse that you don't want them to see. Some of you are hiding things from your friends or from your coworkers. Some of you, many of you are hiding things from yourself. You've deceived yourself into thinking that you're a good person. At least you think you're better than that person over there. 
But friend, the Bible says that none of us is a good person. That none of us is good, not even one. Now I want you to know that the darkness you find yourself hiding in today is very temporary. It's not going to last. Jesus Christ sees everything and someday the light will come up. The sun will come up. All our deeds, all our thoughts, all our motives will be exposed. They'll be laid bare. And on that final judgment day, there will be no one who has done good enough works to get to heaven. Not even one. In fact, the Bible says that to achieve heaven on our own, we must be perfect just as God is perfect. And it's because any sin against a holy and perfect God deserves only one punishment. Death and judgment. So why did Jesus come? Well, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, gives us the answer and says of the Virgin Mary, that she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Friends, here's the good news. If you've come this morning, this evening, if you've come this evening wanting to hear some good news, friend, here's the good news. Here's the good news that we hold out tonight. Here's the good news the Bible holds out. It's that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was born a human baby so that he could live and die for you. Jesus was born to die and to give his life as a ransom for many. His life was literally a death march. From the moment he was born as a little baby in swaddling clothes in Bethlehem, this boy had one destiny. And it was the cross. The only way we could be forgiven is if God took our punishment for us. And he did. Later on in the book of John, we see that Jesus is finally arrested as the people decide to extinguish the light. And for a moment they would. Jesus would lay there on the cross, forsaken by God the Father... And he would take the sins of his people upon himself and face the full wrath of God that we deserved. But on the third day, this light would come back to life and he was raised from the dead. He would come back as the eternal light, one which was extinguished for a time so that we could have everlasting life. Here's the point that the text is making. Here's the point of our evening tonight. Jesus is the light of the world, and in him we have life. This is the story of the Bible. In the beginning, in the first chapter in Genesis 1, we see that God made the light. Later on, the prophet Isaiah spoke of Jesus in chapter 9 and said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And here in the Gospel of John, we've seen that Jesus said he was the light. 
And then at the end of time, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Jesus is said to provide the light for all eternity. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb, meaning Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world, and in him we have life. Charles Spurgeon figured this out when he was a young adult. Growing up in London in the 1850s, he would sometimes attend church on certain Sundays when it so compelled him. He would attend here and there. But on a very snowy day, he could only get to a small little church around the corner from where he lived. And so he walked into this little church building alone. And in attendance, that snowy day was just one other person. There was just two people in attendance. Even the minister couldn't quite get there because of the snow. So another man was tasked to preach the sermon. And it was a man who had never preached before in his entire life. Never given a sermon, never had training in how to preach. But he gets up. And he opens his Bible to this very verse we're looking at tonight. John chapter 8, verse 12. He didn't know what to do, so he opened up the Bible, read that verse, read the surrounding verses in context a couple times kept repeating them, and then he stopped. He read out of the book of Isaiah and said Jesus' words, Look unto me, and you will be saved. And he closed the Bible, and he continued and said, Look to Jesus, and you'll be saved. Don't you see? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to walk anywhere. You don't have to take even one step. Look. All you can do is look. You have to see you can't do anything. You have to see you can't walk anywhere. You have to just look. You have to see what he's done for you. You just have to look. He said those words to those two men in the congregation, and then he pointed to Spurgeon. I mean, there are only two people in attendance, and so he looks at this man sure most of you are glad that we have a big congregation tonight, so I'm not going to call any one person out and point to them this evening. But this inexperienced preacher, never preached a sermon in his life, pointed out to young Spurgeon. And he said, young man, I see that you are miserable. And you will stay miserable unless you obey my text. Spurgeon was stunned, quivering in his seat because he had actually been struggling with his beliefs for the past year and he wanted to know the truth. He had tried to save himself. He had tried good work after good work after good work. He had tried fasting for days. He had tried praying hour upon hour, but nothing seemed to work. He had tried it all. But then suddenly when this inexperienced preacher pointed at him and said, obey my text, It finally hit Spurgeon like a ton of bricks. And it finally dawned on him that Jesus is the light because the only way he could be saved is just to look to him to save him. 
to look to Jesus to save me. And Spurgeon finally saw that. He finally saw that there's nothing that he could do but only to accept what Jesus has done on his behalf. That night, Spurgeon was saved. He became a follower of Jesus and went on to become one of the greatest gospel preachers in all of history. Friends, some of you are here tonight and you're at the end of your rope. You've tried everything. You've tried working your way to God by following a list of rules. Maybe you've come to Dubai to find happiness. You came here to find joy and all you've found is darkness. Or perhaps you've achieved everything you set out to achieve. You've come to Dubai. Every single dream that you had has come true. And yet you feel empty still. Or maybe you scrub and scrub your guilty conscience, but the stain is still there. Oh friend, what will you do with your sin? So how does one become a Christian and have forgiveness of sin and everlasting life? Look to Christ. Look to him. He's everything you've been looking for. He is the light you've been searching for your entire life. To become a Christian, you acknowledge that you're a sinner who can't save himself, and you believe in Christ to save you. You trust him. That's it. You can do that from your seat here tonight. You can ask him to save you. You can trust in him to save you. And the light of Christ becomes your life. He is the light who can transform your life and bring you from death to everlasting life. If you've placed your faith in Christ this evening... If you've trusted in him to save you, we'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to talk to you after the service. You can find someone at our connections table or any of our ushers, and we would love to talk to you about this. Or maybe you're here and you have more questions about Jesus, more questions about what we've taught in the scriptures tonight, or questions about any of the songs we've sung or any of the scriptures that we've read. We would love to talk with you and answer any questions that you may have. We'd love to tell you further about how Jesus is the light of the world. And if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, may this truth melt your hearts this Christmas. May this truth of Jesus melt your hearts that Jesus, born as a baby, willingly marched to the darkest death to bring you everlasting life. We know that even as a Christian, we are tempted time and time again to look to lesser lights to make us happy. But Christmas is about remembering. Christmas is about celebrating that Jesus is the only light that will bring us true joy and true contentment. Oh, friend, will that truth melt your hearts tonight that our great King Jesus came to this earth as a baby, marched to his death for you, for me. Well, friend, as you walk out those doors and go about your Christmas business and meals with family and meals with friends and time contemplating this message, would it draw you to great worship of our King, that he brought joy to this world himself. God became flesh to save his people from their sins.
Oh, friends, Jesus is the light of the world, and in him we have life. Let's pray together. Oh, God, we... We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was born to die to take away our sins. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus who willingly walked to his own death. That he lived to die. And there upon the cross he took away our sins. He faced the full wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. Oh, Father, we praise you for his death. We praise you for his resurrection from the dead. We praise you that he reigns this evening. Oh, would the light of Christ shine into our hearts tonight. And would you lead us to worship you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We pray all this in the righteous and magnificent Name of Jesus, amen.